Hey Rewatchers, Keith here, and I've got a couple special announcements before we start this week's episode. First, have you checked out the Highlander Rewatch collectible magnet set yet? If you were at the Highlander Worldwide Convention, you probably saw them in person, and you probably saw what a sweet deal we were offering for the holiday season. Right now, the Highlander Rewatch collectible magnet set featuring Duncan, Amanda, Mythos, Joe, and a very cool Scottish warrior Duncan is only $15 on our Facebook store or Etsy store. If you want to find us on Etsy, especially for international customers, just go to Etsy.com and search Highlander Rewatch. Again, it's only $15 for this collection of magnets, and you can display these proudly on your fridge for years to come. Everyone at the Highlander Worldwide Convention that picked these up love these magnets, and we know you will too. Also this week, I'm very excited to announce that I have been working with Stan Kirsch, Richie Ryan himself, on launching a brand new podcast. And Stan and I have been working on this for a couple months, and the first episode drops this week. And you've got to check it out because you know you're a fan of Stan. We're huge fans of Stan, and it's a great podcast. It's called Where Working Actors Talk, and you can find it on iTunes or SoundCloud right now. And the first episode features the entire cast of the hit freeform TV sitcom, Baby Daddy. It's really a cool show. I'm really proud of it. Stan's really proud of it, and you're going to really like it. After you listen to that, make sure you log on to iTunes and give it a five-star review. And while you're doing it, make sure to give Highlander Rewatch the five-star review, too. Okay, so now that the announcements are out of the way, we can jump into this week's episode, which is a very special episode from our panel at the Highlander Worldwide Convention. So what follows is our panel in the Online of Fire, which featured yours truly, as well as the Blood of Kings podcast, Highlander Hearts Grant Kempster, and of course Highlander alum Donna Leto and Gillian Horvath, who you heard a couple weeks ago on one of our Chronicle episodes. It was a blast to talk about how fandom has evolved over the years for Highlander and the impact it's had on other fandoms today. Also, we're going to be releasing this as a video podcast, so you get to see our bright, beautiful faces. And also, some of the audience questions are maybe a little bit hard to hear on this recording, but we provided subtitles in the video version, so it's all crystal clear. Uh-oh, do you hear that whooshing sound? You know what that means. It's time to start the show! and I think it could be useful as well as fun. It's come a long way, but I'm interested in, in those days, how groundbreaking that really, we take it for granted now, how groundbreaking was what you were doing at the time? Well, it was interesting. Um, Gillian had just started working on season two, and I was, let's say, in a different fandom, so I was... I was already on Prodigy and Genie and, and that sort of thing. And so one day I went and looked to see what this Highlander thing was, because Gillian had a new job, um, and there were some guys on there who were confused because apparently season one had aired out of order and, you know, we have to be completionists. What order were these supposed to come in? And they're arguing about, you know, whatever. And so I actually contacted Gillian and said, can you answer this question? And she did, and I went back and posted to those guys. So that's kind of where it all started. Oh my God. <laughs> 
the more things change, the more they don't change. Right. <laughs> But at the, time, at the time, nobody, I mean, I was trying to think of other shows that were even sort of putting their, their feelers out. Yeah. I can't think of any other now, show at the time. And we were, you know, we were junior when we were going back and forth between the AOL chat room every Monday night and the office. <laughs> um, and so while we were there, we started seeing other people get in on this. Like Joe Straczynski with Babylon 5, he started doing, he started really opening the door wide, but he was executive producer. He had the choice to really give out, you know, what would be considered confidential information. And he never slept. And he never slept, <laughs> that's right. Um, and so we were always doing sort of a judgment act of like, what's a thing that the fans would find fun, but that isn't in any way you know, and negative toward the people we work for, because it was all brand new, there wasn't any, really any oversight. Like, we used our judgment, and as, you know, as long as we didn't screw up, then everything was fine. Uh, these days, it's actually a lot more controlled, and you have to get permission from the studio. This is the kind, not for every single tweet you make, but for the concept of even opening up a Twitter account for your show, and what are you going to say from there, who's going to be running it. It's now that people have recognized that it's a cool thing, A, it's almost expected. Like, you can't have a show that doesn't interact, uh, but also there's actually somewhat less freedom to just be, oh, hey, I'm just here. I'm another person who happens to work on this TV show, and I've come to a social space with people as opposed to, I am here. <laughs> and here's what happened in my day. We can't really do that anymore. It's like, oh, <laughs> more information out there too like we had little tidbits that at the time people were like oh that's so interesting and now people are like yeah we know how it works <laughs> <laughs> what was it the first time what was the first time i came on board with russia i know there was stuff beforehand what what did i miss i came in 90 like 97 with russia so there was the uh 80 uh the the highlander yeah yeah and there was the the there was the the magic spa on AOL, which was the Monday night chat, where everybody, wherever they were, would get some wine and cheese and hang out on the AOL chat room, like just a real-time chat. Does anybody even do that, that kind of real-time chat room anymore? Well, and actually before it was on AOL, it was on Genie. Now, see, that's before me. I didn't have a Genie account, so you okay, were that's how I back met, to me. That is how I met Claire Meyer, was on now Genie. Now we've got, okay. got Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Old-timers who remembered Claire Meyer, yeah, she was one of our premier experts when she was alive. And, and so the, I remember the AOL chat room, which we actually, we tried to get there every Monday. I remember one time I was, I had a Forever Night script I was supposed to be writing, so I was procrastinating on the chat room. Um, <laughs> and then I would get punted, remember, that like, you'd lose your connection and you fall offline and so people were like you should clearly be writing stop coming back here and then there was the earthquake we were in the middle of a chat and your apartment started shaking and we're, we're like uh be right back i didn't <laughs> running out the door i remember us doing one of the and of course we're all trying to get out the door at the same time that was like some key, keystone cops this, is, thing. this has been the story for 20 years because i'm like i don't remember that but it's obviously true because donna has a way bigger hard drive than i have i'm always purging information for the new stuff to come in uh, which is i think why i like the facebook memories feature where it brings up something for, oh that is a cool thing that happened last year that i completely forgot um, so I remember, I remember the chats that we did from when I got my new house and it didn't have any furniture in it yet. So we took a bottle of wine and we ordered a pizza and we sat on the floor with three laptops. <laughs> By 
the time Reicher started getting interested, we were almost out of the game, I think. Uh, yeah, well, if it was 97. Yeah, yeah. 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 it really was. You, know, I, you, were all, you were already on online presence. People would say, oh, Gillian and Donna. And I, even when I didn't know who Gillian and Donna were in the first glitching couple of it weeks, was, it was like, oh, now I know who they are. It was online, offline, and you know, we should probably move on to today from well, way back yeah. then. We could, we could nostalgia all day. But there was this... Is that a verb? There was... But <laughs> you couldn't go like fully offline. Like people would email because they wanted us to send them our, the info pack in the mail. You know, we had uh, we had this thing that was printed in microtype so that you could mail it for only thirty-seven cents. That was all. It, it was basically an FAQ of the show. So anytime someone sent a fan letter, we'd send them this info pack. You could email to ask for the info pack, but we didn't email the info pack. We still sent it to you in an envelope. <laughs> well, you couldn't really email attachments very well. I mean, in the way that the show was being made, um, especially when we were in France, our office would handle, um, you know, creating the scripts and updating them, and then I would put them on an FTP server. And in the middle of the night, someone from France would then try to download it. And if they couldn't, I got a call at 3 in the morning, and I went back to the office and reset the FTP server. So once we were able to send you know, substantial attachments on email, that game all changed. I mean, the first couple of years at least, it was like one, one file per act of the show. You couldn't put a whole script in a file. Just, God. Are we sounded older than that. Maybe we should let the youngsters say, what is like today, children? I mean, I, I was just going to say, we've got blood of kids, Highlander, Rewashed, and Highlander Heart here are leading the vanguard now. So, yeah, what were your impressions of coming into this? So, at least for us, uh, you know, we're kind of part of the second generation of Highlander fans, at least on the, the rewatch side of the equation. I don't want to speak for you gentlemen. Uh, but, you know, we grew up when we were very young with our parents watching it. So our experience is... is <laughs> yes. That's okay. I can be in the line of fire. It's cool. Uh, the cool parents. Yeah. No, our parents were, our parents were totally hip. Uh, <laughs> I just want to point out we were like fresh out of school. <laughs> so for us, you know, we obviously interact in social media a little differently. We kind of came up in the time when it was all coming together. So we kind of carve out the social media presence a little differently. And of course, it's also a 25-year-old show at, some, at this point. So you don't get the opportunity to do these live chat rooms anymore. Uh, though I wonder, because there are services like Twitch now, which is a live streaming service, and a lot of times if there's some kind of big event, there will be thousands of people on a chat room, and it's kind of pandemonium, all the the text there. So I wonder if Highlander gets we, new we, lights. We, we discussed, talked about whether we could do something like, you know, like Facebook Live as part of it. Logistically, it would have been a nightmare to do. Legally, it would probably have been a nightmare to do. <laughs> it would have been, it was certainly the technologies that have done it. If we, we, sh we should have been periscoping from here, right? Or has Periscope been replaced by Twitch? Am I behind the times again? I, I feel like Twitch is a little dorkier. Like it's got, a little, you know, it's got like a more of a niche. It's like, oh, I want to go watch people play Counter Strike Two on their computer for three hours, and that's what, you know, that's that's the the main Twitch market. Do you know you run faster if you hold the knife? I didn't know that. <laughs> I did actually, but. <laughs> 
Nerve alert. <laughs> exactly. Letting my freak flag fly. Yeah. Uh, well, I was one of those parents that watched it the first time. Uh, <laughs> and I have three kids. Um, but yeah, we were back in the old day, and it was. Yes, there were the, the forums and things, but I don't think that necessarily everybody knew about them. So it was kind of harder to connect the fans, certainly in the UK, um, which is where I'm from, obviously. Um, so, I mean, my experience was that I uh, wound up creating, well, I, I kind of took over a fan club in the UK um, that was about to fold, and I was going to join today, and I'm going to fold it, I said, oh, okay, I'll take it over, and I spoke to Davis Panzer, and they were good with it, and there was the official club up in Scotland, run by Elaine Nicholl, lovely, lovely uh, lady who's in Homeland, walking down the hill, says, it's not her real voice, but she's like, oh, I can't remember what she says to Duncan as he walks past, what did she say? It says, and to you. Thank you, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the word. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I sort of it just created this club to, and I had to advertise through magazines, um, Starburst magazine um, at the time, um, just to, so that people could find me. You know, and even then, ultimately, we ended up with about 100 members, um, and I would, I would create this little fanzine, I would send it out um, to them and get sort of, you know, that was the interaction. There was no email as such, and, you know, barely any internet at that point. Um, so it was hard to to do it, and I could only really do it for a couple of years because then you know I got a better job and girlfriend and you know the life. Um, <laughs> no, but it, no, no, no. But it. it, it, it Thanks. <laughs> no, I don't mean it. No, but yes, absolutely. Oh, I just mean it. It, it, yeah, it took up more of my life that I was able to then. Do stuff without digging a hole. Um, no, you know. So yeah, it was difficult. But the, the flip side of that is now that when Facebook came along, you know, and I thought, well, okay, let's just let's let's reconnect with at uh, the time. It's just let's reconnect with the people that that were members in the first, you know, the first way around. Um, and it's just grown and grown and grown. And and more recently, thanks to these guys, you know, it's just blown up. You know, and now we're like three and a half thousand members. Um, you know, which is fantastic. So, uh, yeah, that's my. Experience. I mean, it, it's either, Grant and I are sort of the same era. He's just got better jeans than I've got. But it is true. We had to go look for things. Yeah. It was much more. I found Reichard almost completely by accident, uh, and never left. But until it closed. But it was nowadays. It's I think it's a lot easier now. We get. I mean, if you took Google to somebody in that area, they would have just, you know, thought you were a Martian. It's, it's well, interesting how... The if you want to feel old, Google didn't exist until 1998. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we're hitting on something, and I definitely... Sorry to jump in, but I'll jump back out. But we're hitting on something, which is that whether it's on paper, whether it's fanzines going around, or whether it's there are certain shows and books that gather fandoms around them. And these days, every single property has a website, has a web presence, but not all of them are actually populated by people who care. It used to be harder to do, so only certain shows had them. Now every show has them, but a lot of them are sort of moribund, and this energy that you guys are putting out is what determines the difference. Well, and a lot of those corporately managed sites 
talk down to fans. They don't think it's, the fans are important, whereas we were like, we're, we're sharing energy with the fans, energy's coming back, it's a mutual respect, um, and we're not just going, okay, we have to get you know X number of points in our ratings this week, so let's do a stunt. For, I'm Kevin, by the way. This is Norman. We're Blake Kings. Uh, when I approached Norman, uh, by the way, we're original Highlander fans. Uh, Norm started watching it, uh, I, I believe, as soon as it came on. For, I was in L.A., though, where it wasn't showing hardly like on a regular basis, or it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday or something like that. Um, but uh, when Facebook and all these po po podcasts started really becoming the mainstream of it, it was bugging this guy for a year on another network to, uh, let's do a Highlander podcast, because I know how, how uh, passionate Norm has been. And uh, the only other podcast out there was Highlander Rewatch, and we felt that there was uh, uh, an audience out there that was probably wanting to hear more Highlander fans talk about Highlander. So we got together and, uh, um, and started Bloody Kings. And it's, it's amazing with our Facebook group and with Highlander Rewatch, all the fans that are kind of coming back that were fans back in the day and, lo and, and loving to um, you know, uncover their fandom for Highlander. Uh, I know you feel about the same way, right? It's amazing to see like all the fan like appreciation and all the excitement here. And you're right, I was, I was in there in 92. And the great thing about being a fan five. now... You were five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, so back in 92, I was a fan. I still am a fan. And then the great thing about seeing it from back then to now is seeing the tools of the trade change. So when you're looking at how you can access the fan community, you have to go with where everyone else is in these social spaces. But it's also neat that the fans have been there in the interim period waiting for these spaces to appear. And that's where your fanzine came in, that's where other groups came in, especially the convention circuit, because the convention circuit is where we can all congregate and still share these ideas and passions. But now you don't have to do it you know, remotely. You can still do it from your home and, and online and on Facebook and everything like that. So I think it's great that um, everyone's seeing the advantage of that. And I think that we really have to encourage each other to stay connected in that way. Because after this is done, it's not done. It's never done, right? Because the spirit's still alive, or we wouldn't be here 25 years later, 31 years later, if you started with the movie. <laughs> I wanted to say, it's, it's interesting, like, like you mentioned, like, there's always been this fan presence, and it's just that the form has changed, like, from fanzines now to podcasts or something like that. And it's interesting to, like, when we watched the show, I was, what, 10 years old when I was watching it, like, 95 or whatever? Uh, like, I, I don't think my family even, yeah, I don't even think my family owned a computer until 1998. So, like, the idea to go on a forum was out of the question. Also, my mom probably would be like, you're not chatting to, with people online. Um, so we got to, we kind of missed out on that sort of fan community. I mean, this is our first Highlander worldwide convention. If I had been older, I would have gone to all of them. Um, so now I think a lot of people like that are, that are our age, this is a really unique opportunity to kind of get back into the fandom and interact because there was not, I could never do it before. And now with podcasts, like there are these new crossroads that are being built. Uh, so, you know, you, a lot of, a lot of our fans didn't even realize, you know, that there was a community and some, but they're into podcasts and they listen to all podcasts, you know, when they're going to work at the gym and suddenly they find there's a Highlander one and the, the, there's new crossroads opened and new connections. I think that's really an interesting 
interesting the, the, the internet I always found and I think it's still true today to different extents was always a great leveller I think I told various people um, I, when I went to the Anaheim event in 98 I found myself at a table with somebody who worked for NASA somebody who was a teacher somebody who was a soldier who'd just come back from the Middle East uh, somebody who was a mum somebody who uh, I think was about 13 years old my future wife was there and it was it was it, it was interesting that these people probably would never... That's what it said on her name tag. Yeah, yeah future wise. I have no choice. But it was a great leveler in the sense that it didn't matter you know, they, where they were from in the world, the, the income, the experience they had. We admitted, it's like going to see a, a, a sports arena. It didn't matter. It, you, you had that great... It was a level playing field. And I think the internet... And nowadays, there's always the talk of like peer pressure and stuff on the internet. But I found that everybody here is very supportive of everybody else's. It's slightly different from what we do. That's great. Let's, how, how can we help them? And you, know, you guys have done it, and you guys have done it. It's a hugely supportive arena. This is this is actually fascinating to me because, of course, the n- negative of the internet that's been in the news recently is all this siloing, where people only talk to people who agree with them, and. But a fandom of any sort, but a science fiction fandom especially, seems to draw in people who are, in fact, different from each other in the other aspects of their life. So then it causes people to actually wind up meeting people from states they've never visited or, you know, or that are 30 years older than them and, but are their new best friend. You know, that that connection happens because of the topic as opposed to because of geography or politics mm. or other things that are, I guess, more divisive. I mean, we don't have a show that we, like, have a fistfight rivalry with, do we? <laughs> Outlander, maybe, just for the name. <laughs> damn, damn that Hercules. <laughs> We're the Highlander, they're the Outlander. <laughs> well, it's, like, really fascinating. Like, I'm from Philadelphia. I've lived there my entire life. And I come here to this convention, and uh, in two days I've met people who live in Japan, uh, England, Wisconsin. Uh, it's, it's amazing to meet so many people uh, from all over the world. From this podcast we do about liking Highlander. I mean, it, it's really amazing. And there's just a weird, like, time. It's like we're using cutting-edge technology to put these podcasts out. But what it gets us is, like, one of our listeners, Wendy, brought us newspaper clippings from, like, Highlander articles in magazines. So it's, like, it's timeless in a way. It's, like, almost fitting for the subject matter because, yes, we're using Facebook Live to talk about Highlander, but we, you know, covet a, a screensaver CD from, like, 1995 now. We're like, oh, this is awesome. Can't use it anymore, but this is great. It's only $35. <laughs> um, I, I meant to... Tell you, I have to show this to you guys later. I found up in my attic the access card for the phone game. Oh. <laughs> right? Go on. <laughs> Dial an 800 number and have a choose your own adventure by touching the touch tone. <laughs> and, ooh, cutting edge. <laughs> At least like 99 cents a minute. Adrian and Jim, like, a, you know, the guys recorded some dialogue lines that you would access by going through. Of course, I said 800 number, but there's a good chance it was a 900 number. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. one 900 Duck in the Cloud talks to you. <laughs> Out of the out of the business now, um, 
I was frankly unaware that there's a resurgence. I thought I was coming to awake. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm so excited that there is a new generation, so to speak. <laughs> Are there any questions from when we've been talking? Are there any questions? I'll come here and then I'll come to you, Mary. So, do you think a fandom, any fandom, can really thrive if there isn't some physical element, whether it be cinema, like in cinema, mm -hmm. movies, or conventions, or books, or some sort of physical component that takes you into this world but outside of your computer? Jeez, I just, I'm sorry, guys. I just, I just jumped right in. And I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think we all feel the same way that if there's something tangible out there that you can reach out to and then share with other people, I think that's the true spirit of fandom. I think that they can thrive probably not as passionately because when you love something, you want to take that and put it out there to meet other people and let them enjoy that. And then that happens. It's like the old... You know, the old shampoo commercial, and so on, and so on, and so on. Yeah, I know that commercial, too. <laughs> so so but that, that's how I feel about it. I think that uh, without a vehicle, maybe not so much, but I think that in today's day and age, if there's something that you can share, it's, it's very beneficial. And the tools are out there right now to be able to do this. Facebook has been great, obviously, with all these Facebook groups. Uh, I've noticing a lot of conventions now are using Facebook to actually... Uh, create a group for panels now, which is really great for when you're trying to remember all the stuff that you want to do. But it also, it's about getting out there and finding uh, that freeway, the information freeway, and getting people united in what you like. And Facebook is a great way to do it. Of course, podcasting for us has been as well. I would also add that, you know, you mentioned, like, is there, you know, do you need something outside the computer to connect to? But in a lot of ways, it's it's all those things have come together in the same space. Uh, I mean, we, we can watch our Highlander episodes on our phone, and then I just scroll over and I can tweet about it right away. So the, the, there's there's less of a, a barrier, I think, between the, the, the you know what used to be the physical media of it uh, and you know interacting with people. And we have like uh, directors Jeremy and Andrew in the back who made great fan fan films. So I mean, the other you'll be seeing those lights as it does. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, but you know the the idea that like oh there needs to be some you know a new book or a new movie. I mean it'd be great if there were, but uh, and there will be. Um, but uh, you know, these things are constantly being put out there in the same space that we're communicating and being social with other people, which I think is cool. Mary? Um, I guess this is more of a comment, but I, would, I was at the Anaheim, the Reicher convention was kind of the, like the first official convention, and I think you told me that Bill Panzer had um, been standing on the balcony and looking down, and first of all, he was shocked at how many people showed up. How many different countries, people flew in from other countries across the world for this convention. The diversity of the age group, the diversity of, of the um, professions. He couldn't believe there were doctors and lawyers and, and, and the professional people showing up for this, this show convention. And then what shocked him the most was how many women were like huge fans of the show. And I guess it had something to do with the fact that when they did feedback demographics and stuff, they didn't really have all of that information um, from um, whoever does the... the Right. Well, there there aren't the same kind of ratings measurements for both syndications. So yeah, we were constantly up against that because um, the powers that be 
thought they were making a show for 12-year-old boys. <laughs> hey, 12-year-old boys, what are you for the 30-year-old librarians. That is amazing. That is amazing. And um, the other thing is that the demographics of fandom are not always the same as the demographics of viewership. Like, we did eventually learn that while they thought it was a show for boys, uh, it was actually 50-50 viewers, whereas the fans are overwhelmingly female. Although, apparently no longer. Uh, <laughs> generation of fans. Yeah. Uh, um, which uh, I don't think is purely about the sex appeal of the star. I think it has, I think it just has to do with a, a certain a desire for community, I would almost say. I mean, that's very, that's, that's cliched and stereotyped. And of course, there were always both genders at the cons, but they were largely women coming together. And I think I think you're right about seeing it in person having an effect on Bill's understanding of like the numbers are one thing that it's 50-50, but to see the people in front of you and to hear their stories in an autograph line or other interaction. And on the forums, there was huge philosophical discussions uh, like David Abaramo described yeah. it as, as the Talmudic discussion discussions with, with, with sword play yeah, Gothic action adventure yeah. Talmudic discussion yeah. 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 And, and like you I thought I was coming to awake I thought, well I kept telling you know I dropped my dog off at my parents oh you're going to another one of these mom this is like the last mm. one there aren't going to be any more and I get here and I find out like there's all these podcasts, there's all these like younger people who are just discovering it and are like watching it. I guess on YouTube, not even DVDs anymore. Now they're all out watching it on YouTube, and there's like this huge resurgence again. And and I go to the fam cotta, and suddenly half the room is men, whereas it used to be like all women. It's, you know, I, I, have, so. I was saying to Joe Bailey the, the, the other day that it was him and me, and it was basically your name had to be John to be on the rise of form and not be a woman. It was there was only three or four of us that, but go to a convention. Is a different. Oh, yeah. but, yeah. but demographically, it yeah, was majorly yeah. Now it's much more 50 50, I would it's, say. It's almost become kind of like a, a mini and not so nerdy Star Trek thing, in that this seems to be the show hey. that kind of. <laughs> 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 let me finish. <laughs> Just kidding. The show that doesn't die. <laughs> Yeah. People, it keeps bringing in new yeah. people, and it just kind of keeps going because there was just some essence in it that touched I mean, everybody. It's amazingly moving and flattering to be part of something that has that kind of long reach. That, yeah, we're not as big by any means, but most shows... Nobody cares three years after, much less 20 years after. Like, you wouldn't get... And with, uh, and with Star Trek, there is new material almost all the time. There is new stuff to talk about. It's fine. I find it immensely satisfying that a show where there isn't, hasn't really been any significantly new material out there still has a passionate fan base where we can do a convention. I mean, it's might be the last one, but, but it's... 
Look, we can still do this 30 it's years off. It's a high bar for the rest of our lives. Like, yeah. Yeah. What about the source, though? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's new. <laughs> they it still sucks. <laughs> the other thing I did want to mention in terms of what you're talking about with the demographics is that, you know, fan letters were sort of the old school way of, like, checking out a forum to see what viewer response was. Now, anyone who actually went to the trouble of writing a letter, you knew they felt passionately either positive or negative because they actually, like, got out of and, and a stamp. And said, Dear murdering bastards. <laughs> but our, our rule of thumb was as long as we were getting approximately equal numbers of letters complaining that there was too much talking and not enough sword fighting, and letters saying that there was too much sword fighting and not enough talking, then we were right on point. tried to, you know, educate the powers that be, but also, you know, the folks in the production bubble up in Vancouver, um, is we would mine the various forums, Prodigy, Genie, AOL, um, and send uh, representative letters up to the set. And I think that slowly started to inform the show. Uh, Fewer, fewer 12-year-old boys, more Talmudic discussion. I mean, because there were, you know, people would write long essays, really like dissertations on the meanings of episodes. And I think for some of the, you know, some of the cast and crew who bothered to read the stuff we sent up there, Ken Gord particularly was interested. Like, he would sometimes say to us, where's the report? You know, like, <laughs> when's, our, when's the stuff coming in? Because I think just... You know, knowing that people were actually watching that closely, paying that much attention, meant, I mean, not that people were planning to slack off, but it really made you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go that extra mile because there are real people out there who are actually going to appreciate it. I mean, we're running out of time a little bit, just about the next like, five minutes or so, but I, I find it fascinating how influential and pivotal Highlander has been. I talk millions of people how Highlander has touched every aspect of my life personally, professionally uh, friendships, relationships over the years have all touched and I can't think of a way it hasn't and, but you hear the stories uh, Green was saying you know, yesterday about that, and I hear countless stories and it's really thanks to you guys and you guys that those, I think those stories are going to continue and we have that connection for people who don't necessarily live anywhere near us anymore but we can find some common holy ground with I think we're passing the baton. Yeah, it's because we're planning a cut, right? <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. Yeah. I had one small suggestion. You look like a compound to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said once. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Jill, that you were going right to my point. I just wanted to say, and, and maybe you guys would agree, is that we, we're we're a male-dominated podcast production here. You know, between all of us. 
And I know that there are a lot of women that I've talked to over the course of these few days that are very passionate about Highlander. Come and pick our brains if you want to start your own show because we need more female representation out there in podcasting. Not just our podcasting, but all podcasting. You have a voice. You have the ability to use that and reach out to people who have the same feelings that you do. Even men. We have the same feelings that, you know, or share the same opinions that you may have about fandom. So ask us how to set up the technology. How do you want to run it? The course of a show. How to block a show. All that kind of stuff. These guys are amazing at it. We're okay. These guys are amazing. <laughs> but the talent is here, so please take advantage of us while we're here in, in that way. And, um, uh, this, this mic really is on. So please, no, please, please, if you want to start a podcast, please ask us if you'd like to. <laughs> we'll fix that in post. This has, we're not time, but this has been kind of my, my favorite panel because it, it speaks to why I've been involved and why I'll continue to be involved and the power behind it. So, ladies and gentlemen, all our guests. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.